we're now in chapter 6. And in the book of Revelation, we're told enough about the future and the end for us to know what is coming and what we can expect. You can know already what kind of headlines will be in the newspapers because of what God has told us in the Bible. Jesus has given us insight into this, not to terrify us, but to comfort us. When you know the worst, you can face it much better. So Jesus wants to encourage us actually by telling us. Because the night Jesus died, he also spoke to his disciples and he told them about many dreadful things that they would be facing. And then he said to them, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you and he'll never leave you. And Jesus said to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. So as we look at these events that will be taking place, they are, they are disturbing, definitely. But don't let your heart be troubled because Jesus wants us to know about it. And that's why today we're looking at some of these things. And to sum up the central parts, the central chapters of the book of Revelation from chapter 6 to 18, it's a period of unprecedented suffering that is in store for the human race. And if it gets depressing, we need to lift our gaze up to God and keep in mind that he is on the throne and that he won't allow anything to happen that is not under his control. It might look like it's all out of control, but he has the last word. Amen. So as Jesus breaks the seals on the scroll, he lets loose something into the world which will bring about the end of civilization. All he really needs to do is to take the brakes off because man's evil will destroy society all on its own. As we look at the first four uh, seals as they're broken, they're often referred to as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. There are four tragedies that are galloping into history let loose on the human race. The first one that we see here is a white horse. And it speaks, that's the first seal, and it speaks of a conqueror, a warrior riding out to conquer. It's the rise of a man with a lust for world power, a world ruler who's ambitious to conquer and reign. And we've had, world, uh, we've had leaders like that in history who've tried to conquer the world, people like Stalin and Hitler. And, but this event here, when this horseman rides out, he will actually be able to do this. He will succeed. The second seal that is broken is the red horse that we have there. And the red horse speaks of bloodshed. It speaks of world war, battle, blood and butchery. And really all God has to do is to lift his peace and war will be the inevitable result. The third seal that we see is a black horse. And the black horse speaks of famine, speaks of inflation and recession, shortages that will be coming. You know when there's wartime, this is a natural thing that follows as well. Shortages causing inflation and the cost of living rising. Commodities difficult to come by. 
Then comes the fourth seal, and it's a pale horse. Actually, the description of this uh, horse is like it's a light green in color, a pale green, like the color of flesh without blood. It's the color of sickness and death. This pale horse speaks of death. And actually, it mentions that a quarter of the world's population dies. It's pretty grim. These things we can expect on a world scale. We've been seeing them um, on local scale in different countries. We've seen some of these things. But this is just going to escalate, and it's going to come on a world scale. And actually, all four of these things that we've just spoken about now, Jesus predicted, not only here in Revelation, but if you look in your Bible in Matthew 24, or in Mark chapter 13, or in Luke 21, you will find Jesus talking about these same things, warning the church of what is to come. We'll move on to the fifth and the sixth seal now. And instead of disaster on the world population, the next seal is a disaster on the church. When the fifth seal is broken, it shows martyrs who in this terrible suffering have lost their lives for the faith. And they are praying for justice, for God's justice to come on earth. God, we see here in this scripture that God knows exactly how many martyrs are going to die for the faith before the end of history. And there are already thousands who have died. I know here in Zambia it's hard for us to understand sometimes because we're not giving our lives for the gospel. But there are every day around the world people who are dying, who are being persecuted, and who are dying for their faith in Jesus. And there are amongst these who are around the throne praying for God's justice. Then we have the sixth seal. And this introduces a new factor that we haven't seen before. We rely on the regularity of nature. The sun always rises every morning and goes to sleep at night and the moon comes up and the stars. But in this seal, when it is broken, even that changes. Here is a picture of a universe that is shaken, that is a beginning to break up. And there's a great earthquake. It speaks of heavenly bodies, stars falling out of the sky. And in that day, the Bible says, everyone will fear God. It's going to be quite disturbing. Now we've reached chapter um, 7. And there's a kind of break, like a parenthesis coming here to answer a question you might have been wondering about. What's happening to God's people while all of this is taking place? And the answer is, that God is caring for them, and he will not forget them. He's promised never to leave us or forsake us. Even when things get dark, he's right there with us. And that is an encouragement that we can hold on to right till the end. The first half of chapter 7, it speaks of God's concern for the Jews. The Jews are God's holy people, his chosen people, and they have a special place in his heart. And we see here that God is going to, um, call forth a remnant from every tribe of all the 12 tribes of Israel, and they will be represented in heaven one day. And the second part of this chapter, 
it speaks about God's concern for believers. So we're just reminded here in this chapter that even when it gets hard and things get difficult, whether we live or whether we die as martyrs, we are safe because God's hand is on us. And it speaks in this chapter of how he is a shepherd caring for his children. And that one day he will wipe every tear from our eyes. Then we come to the seventh seal. This is in chapter 8. We're whizzing through quickly. And when the lamb opened this seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for half an hour. This was quite momentous, I'm sure, because there's always a lot of noise in heaven. Wherever you see heaven, there's lots of singing and music and worship and all sorts going on. But when this seal is open, it's like the calm before a storm. Everything is quiet. And do you know what breaks the silence? The prayers of the saints rising before his throne praying for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you realize that our prayers change history? I find it so amazing that we're here on earth and God is up in heaven and all that we heard about earlier from chapter 4 and 5, and yet our prayers as we pray make a difference. They come before God's throne in bowls like incense before his throne. And God hears and listens and answers our prayers. This ought to give you courage to pray and take prayer seriously. Because a saint on his knees can do more than any politician or any king. Because we pray to the highest throne and the highest authority that there is. The prayers of the saints precede the final judgment on an evil earth. As we go deeper and delve down into the end time events, it's not essential for us to understand all the details. There's a lot of intricate details about it. But really what we need to have is like an overview, overall view to understand the result and the effects of what is happening because what John is trying to describe to us is really indescribable. It's unprecedented. It's not something we haven't experienced before. So some of it we will be, find difficult to be able to understand. But we can understand its effects. So when John looks at the end of the earth and he sees in this vision, he describes the end of history as a series of tragedies. Three series of sevens. The first one is the seven seals that we've just looked at now. And then comes seven trumpets. And then comes seven bowls. And in each of these series, there's a gap between the sixth and the seventh one. And the seventh one is never really revealed. Because when the seventh seal is broken, it makes way for the six trumpets. And as the seventh trumpet is blown, it makes way for the seven, the six bowls. So really what we're seeing is as we look through the book of Revelation and look at the end of history, we're seeing an increase in detail. The trouble becomes shorter and fiercer. There's an accelerating climax of disaster. 
And events happen with increasing speed and severity, including the escalation of evil in the world. And if we remember what Jesus said about this, he said that when the new kingdom comes, when this kingdom of God is birthed, it's like a woman who's in labor. And actually, the closer it comes to the time when she's about to give birth, her contractions get stronger and shorter and closer together. And this is the picture that we get of the end time. So now we've been through the seals and we've come to the trumpets. And the trumpets of God, they speak of his justice and his mercy. God's trumpets, the trumpets, the seven trumpets, they speak of the justice of God and the mercy of God. Man who does evil will not get away with it. And you know, and that's a comfort to us in many ways because we see a lot of injustice in the world. And sometimes we think, why doesn't God do anything about it? The answer is he will. God is a just God and he will bring justice. Trumpets are usually used as warnings when something is about to come. And this is what these trumpets are. They're warnings from God. And you might want to ask, well, why doesn't God just get over with it? Destroy everything. Let's finish it quickly and then get on to the next thing. Why does it have to take so long? The reason is that God wants to save mankind. He doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. And God gives them warning after warning after warning, pleading with man, hoping that they will turn around and give him a chance in their lives. The first four trumpets that we look at, they kind of go together, just like the four, first four seals. And all of them are speaking of natural disasters that are happening in the world. We see outer space, meteorite activity, terrible things happening in the ecology. So the first one something invades from outside. Um, ecology is the study of the balance of nature. And whether we realize it or not, we're very um, the plants and we, we live, we bring balance to each other. Like we breathe in oxygen and we breathe out di carbon dioxide. The plants breathe it in. We are dependent on plants for our survival, for our food. Um, we depend on it for the process of life. But there's something here that invades and a third of vegetation dies. Can we see that? The first circle. There's a third of vegetation that dies. This will profoundly affect the food situation in the world. The atmosphere and even our climate will be affected by this. The second trumpet is also a natural disaster. It's a polluted sea. And again, we see some kind of meteorite activity, again, affecting a third of the waters. And it's not just the pollution that destroys the waters, because even a third of the ships are destroyed, which would affect world trade and bring food shortages again. Thirdly, there's contaminated fresh water. Maybe... This is radiation or atomic waste or pollution of some kind. But the fresh water, a third of it will be poisoned. And the fourth trumpet 
is reduced light. So we only have a third of the hours of daylight. This reminds me of the plagues in Exodus, where God in his mercy was warning the Egyptians one time after the other after the other. And instead of them letting, allowing God to soften their hearts, Pharaoh's heart was hardened over and over again, and he didn't respond to all the warnings of God. So we go on to chapter 9, where we have the fifth and the sixth trumpets. And these are not described as warnings, but they're called woes. And a woe is a curse. So there's two curses here that are targeted directly at mankind. The fifth one God sends is insects that invade the earth, locusts that sting like a scorpion, and their leader is the devil. They're directly under his control, and they have power to attack people. But the interesting thing is that God protects his people in the midst of it. Again, this reminds me of when the Israelites were in the land of Goshen, and all the plagues came upon the Egyptians. But God's people were kept safe. The sixth trumpet was invasion. And it speaks of a big invasion of a huge army, military army, of millions and millions of soldiers invading. Again, they're inspired by supernatural evil forces. And it's a fierce, fierce army. It says that a third of mankind will be killed by this invasion. Now, you would think that with all these warnings that God is bringing, that people would wake up and realize, wow, we better put our lives right with God. But here we hear the saddest verse in the whole of Revelation. It's like we hit rock bottom here. In Revelation chapter 9, verse 20 and 21, it says, The rest of mankind that were not killed by the plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent for their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, and their theft. So you just see that people's hearts are growing harder and harder against God. And there's nothing that God can do to turn people's hearts around. God is allowing this because when his judgment finally comes, God wants to be just and know that he's done everything he could to turn people's hearts back to himself. Then we go on to chapter 10. And here... There's an angel that comes to John, and it, he brings a little scroll to John, and he says to him, eat this scroll, and after that, I want you to prophesy. And he takes the scroll, and he eats it, and it says about it that when he ate it, it was sweet in his mouth, but as he ate it, it became bitter in his stomach. And this scroll that he was given is the rest of this prophecy of Revelation. And you know, <laughs> I understand this scripture so well now. Because when I was preparing this message, I thought, at first I was like, this is so, it's such a good book. I'm loving this. 
But then the bitterness comes. It's such a hard, it's such a hard message to hear. And you know, many times we would like to actually avoid bringing up these things and give you comforting good messages every time here in church. But you know, God gave us the whole Bible from Genesis right to Revelation. And all of it is his word. Even what I'm sharing with you this morning, it is the word of God. And there's even a blessing attached when we read it and meditate upon it. So though it's a bitter message and one that I find difficult to bring to you, I believe it's important because God wants us to have a correct view of him. Some of us just think that he's a merciful God and all he does is forgive and forgive and forgive. Yes, he is a merciful God, but he's also a just God who will punish evil and the day will come when God will do that. And you know what? It's not just John's responsibility to prophesy. Just as it's my just as it is my responsibility to bring the truth to you. You and I have a responsibility as well to be witnesses. Because do you realize that there's nobody out there in the world who knows how the end of the world is going to come? The only people who know it is the Christians because we have the truth in the word of God and Jesus has revealed it to us. But nobody else knows how the world is going to end. And you know, when this trouble comes, who are they going to hear it from if not from you and me? So God is calling us, you and me, to prophesy, to speak to people and to tell them. Otherwise, they will never know. I was struck so much by this. It became such a serious thing for me when we had this COVID thing starting. Because when trouble hits us, what do we have to do as a church? We have to rise up and shine for Jesus. If we go and hide like the rest of the world, what's the point of the church? We're there to shine for Jesus. And when the darkness gets darker, our light shines brighter. So instead of us being fearful when these things come, Jesus is warning us and telling us in advance so that when it comes, we don't have to fear. We know he's in control. The Bible carrying on here, carries on here, speaks of a great battle that happens in the heavens. And we hear that the devil is defeated and he's cast out of heaven onto the earth. And he's filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Then it goes on in the book of Revelation to speak about a world dictator that will be coming, a political leader and a world religious leader. And here we have a picture, a clear picture of what will happen to our world at the end of history. There will be a one world government. We've heard a lot of talk about it already, about a new world order. There's so much talk now about it. It's led by, it will be led by one man and one world religion led by one man. The Antichrist is another name for him who has demonic authority. And he has a false prophet. This is the unholy trinity. People choose, instead of following God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our God. They choose to follow this unholy trinity, which is Satan, Antichrist, 
and the false prophet. The false prophet, by the way, he seems like Jesus. And a lot of people will actually be led astray thinking that it's even Jesus. He can do miraculous signs and wonders. And he's full of deception. And Jesus is warning us of this in advance because there'll even be Christians who will follow him thinking that this is Jesus. But it's not. And this is why Jesus is warning us against these things. Chapter 15 and 16 of Revelation. We now see the final display of God's wrath. And then it's over forever. God's anger has been building up over centuries. And it's been like simmering. God's anger has been simmering. But now we see the bowls, the seven bowls of God's wrath. And these bowls, they really speak of God's anger that's boiled over. And he's just pouring out this disaster on the earth because of man's wickedness. In Luke 21 and verse 8, Jesus says, When these things take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Do you know when at times get darker, at the same time the word of God speaks of a harvest. As it gets darker in the earth, God's light will shine brighter. And I believe as the word of God declares as well, there's going to be a revival, an unprecedented revival in the earth. Where many thousands upon thousands are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ. The harvest of the earth is ripe. We see that in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 15. There's going to be an awesome revival and harvest where thousands of souls, fortunately, a lot of these warnings that come, not everyone is going to turn their back on God, but many are going to respond to Jesus. And that is what we are here as a church for to shine the light for Jesus and bring people into his kingdom.